And as you're taking your seat, if you would grab your hymnal and turn to page 324 in the front. As I mentioned, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer during this Lenten season and Martin Luther's explanation in the small catechism. And so I wanted to start with looking at what's called the fifth petition. So page 324, it's in the right-hand column right there. The fifth petition is, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? Would you read it with me, please? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them, but we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much, and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive, and that gladly do good to those who sin against us. So question, is it harder to be forgiven or to forgive? Now Martin Luther seems to spend a whole lot of attention in this explanation on what it means to be forgiven, that we need to be forgiven. And forgiving others sort of almost seems like a little bit of an afterthought. But on the other hand, if you have been hurt deeply, you might say, well, no, it's harder to forgive. I was thinking about this case that's been in the news constantly about Michigan State and Larry Nasser and the absolutely sick twisted things that he did, and then all the cover-up that appears to have gone along with this, and it just, how do you forgive something like that? And I know that there are those of us who are here today, we've been wounded that deeply. Maybe that's not the thing that's happened to us, but the wounds and the hurts that we're carrying around, what somebody did to us, I mean, ooh. We've been a pastor now almost 20 years, and so I've heard a lot of confessions, and I don't keep track of what people say in confession, obviously, but I can tell you in my memory what comes to the surface more than anything else is the anger and the resentment and the bitterness and the inability to forgive someone. You can put those away. It's interesting that Jesus... This is the only one of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus goes ahead and he makes further commentary. So right after he gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel, he says these words, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So what if I can't forgive? I mean, is Jesus asking something impossible from me? Well, the first thing is this, that Jesus is not saying that we have to forgive in order to be forgiven as if we've got to somehow make the first move. The Father has already done this. God has already forgiven us before we even ask. So that means that if we're having trouble forgiving someone, there's a deeper problem. It's not like the forgiveness from God isn't there and available to us. Now, the word trespasses, you know, it's not one we use very often except when we say, you know, you trampled on my property. Well, that's Kind of a good way to look at it. A sin is always a violation of the dignity of another person. You trample on them. You violate them. 
And we always, of course, violate God. We, we trample on God, believe it or not. We, we violate Him. Not only the sins we do against Him, like putting other things in front of Him, but also every time you hurt someone who He made in His image and likeness, who He loves, then you also always violate Him, not just that person. And it begins to add up. Now, that word trespasses could also be translated, maybe even more properly, debts. Maybe you've heard that, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's a good way to look at sin, too, because, see, we owe, don't we? We owe big time. We owe God big time. We, we owe each other big time. And we know that. We feel that, right? That there's something lacking in all of us. I mean, don't we often feel like, I, I don't measure up, <laughs> I can't ever seem to do enough. And so as we think about all of this, I want you to listen again to that very end of the gospel reading, that parable that Jesus tells about forgiveness. It says, the master said to the wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then Jesus explains it. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There it is. There's that deeper problem. It's in the heart. It's always a problem with our hearts. The parable teaches us about at least two mistakes that we make in our hearts. Here's the first one. And it's always about this debt. The first one is this, that we actually don't realize how big our debt is how much we owe. Now, we often usually, again, think about what somebody else owes us. Maybe they've hurt you big. They owe you big. And so in the parable, Jesus says, here's this guy. He owed that servant 100 denarii. In our money today, it's about a half a year's salary. Let's say it's $20,000, okay? That's a pretty good chunk of change, right? You owe me. But he owed the master 10,000 talents. In our money, that's $10 billion, as an insurmountable amount of money that no servant would ever be able to pay. The point is, it's infinite. You're never going to be able to pay this back. See, we always focus on the other person's debt. And again, maybe it's big. Maybe they've really hurt us, but we fail to come to grips with how much we owe the master. As I said, every time we hurt someone, every time we sin, it's always, always, always against the master. We owe him big time. But there's a second mistake, and I think it's actually the bigger mistake that we make in our hearts, and that's that we think we can pay the debt. Notice that the servant falls on his knees and he pleads with the master, and he says, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Ten billion dollars, really? You think so? <laughs> You're a slave. I don't think so, right? No, that was ridiculous. But did he actually think he could? Did he actually think that he could somehow make it up? Is that why he went out and he choked the other guy, thinking he could get something out of him to help pay at least part of it? Isn't that what we do when something's lacking in us? I kind of go to you and I try to get something out of you that's not in me. Why didn't he understand that he was forgiven? Why in his heart did he? He not just simply received the mercy the master set him free. Do you? That's, this is the real question. Do you? 
Not in your mind, say, yeah, I know, God forgives me. No, 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 in the depths of your heart, do you understand, do you trust the mercy that God gives to you? I mean, yes, we fail to realize how ridiculously big our debt is, but the real problem is that we fail to realize how ridiculously generous and merciful our master is. Maybe part of the problem is with the word master. So we hear master and we think, yeah, see, God's kind of more like a collection agency who's always out to get something from us. And, you know, if we don't pay, he's got a guy named Guido, like a henchman who comes, and God is always just trying to take from me. Is that your view of God? Friends, he's our father, our merciful father who has great compassion upon us. He is so full of undeserved mercy that not only does he cancel the debt, he takes the loss upon himself so that we could be set free. But you see, that's something you've got to truly receive into the depth of your heart. Not just in your head, not just say it with your lips. And so I would propose to you, I think it's actually harder to be forgiven than to forgive. It's harder to let that sink down deep inside of you and let it define you, to let it be enough for you. That there's nothing that you can prove. No, you didn't deserve it. No, you can't pay it back. That's the point. He's paid it. Let him do it. Let that into your heart. Stop trying to control the situation and think you can do something about it because you can't. But you don't have to. Because you see, then it doesn't depend on us to forgive. Like, we got to go first. So I got to forgive so that I can be forgiven. No, no, no. It's the, actually the other way around. It's like we're praying the Lord's Prayer forgive us our trespasses so that we can forgive those who trespass against us. Or the other option is you can live your life full of resentment and bitterness. That every time you see that person who's hurt you, every time you think of that person who has hurt you, you produce a bill. You owe me. And you never get paid, do you? You never get justice. And you never find peace. Because, that's, because friends, it's in the heart that things are either bound up inside of us or set free. And what I'm saying, of course, isn't easy. I'm not saying it's easy to forgive people. And maybe you can't stop feeling the hurt you've experienced. Maybe you can't forget what they did. But what we can do is open our hearts to the ridiculous grace and the mercy for an insurmountable debt that we owe. And we can open our hearts to the tender work of the Holy Spirit. The thing that all of us have to realize is that we are all, every one of us here, we are all wounded people. Wounding people. We are all wounded people, wounding people. Chances are that that person who has hurt you so deeply in life, they themselves were deeply hurt. Now they've hurt you. And what do you do? You turn around and you hurt somebody else. See, that's what we do. We all have this pain, and then we got to dump it somewhere. And we dump it out on each other, and we just pass it on from person to person over and over again. And then sometimes we do it to the people we say we love the most. And then we play a game trying to solve it. 
You ever play the who started it game? <laughs> ever break up a fight with kids? You know, and you're trying to stop them. What's the first thing they say? She started it. He started it. And then we actually believe if we could figure that out, who started it? Yeah, if we could get to the bottom of that, then that person could be held accountable. We could blame them, we could punish them, and then we'll get justice. Who started it, really? We just keep passing it from person to person. I mean, I guess we could go back and say, Adam and Eve, get them. (laughs) No, they're dead. (laughs) No, who started it? We don't know. It's just one great big vicious cycle from person to person, from family to family. We label it dysfunction and all these other things. (laughs) It's sin. It's hurt and it's pain. The real question is then, who's going to end it? Who's going to end it? Who's going to stop dumping their pain and their hurt on someone else? Another word for mercy is compassion. And the word compassion, if you break it apart, means to suffer with. Can that injury you have received become compassion? Could you instead suffer with it? Instead of passing your hurt on to somebody else, dumping it somewhere else, or getting locked up in resentment and bitterness, could you actually have the courage to let the pain stop with you? I'm going to suffer with it. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to end it. There's only one way that that happens, friends. There's only one way, and that is in our hearts. Our hearts have to be joined to the heart of Jesus. You see, he didn't just teach the Lord's Prayer to us. You know, here's how you all should pray. Jesus prayed it. Jesus lived this prayer. He prayed, forgive us our trespasses. Now, wait a minute. Jesus is sinless, right? But here's the mystery of our faith, that the sinless Son of God, who's also truly our brother, took all of our sin, all of our hurt, all of our garbage, all the debt we owe upon himself. All of it, all of the wounds, all of the hurt, and all of the pain. If you don't believe it, then just look at his body. How beaten up and brutalized he is. That's our stuff right there on him. He took it all to that cross and then prayed, Father, forgive us our trespasses. And his perfect and sinless obedience to the Father is enough. It pays all of the debt for all of our stuff and all of our garbage and for all the sin of the entire world. And then he says, Father, as we forgive those who trespass against us. For those who so unjustly violated him when they brutalized him, when they mocked him, when they crucified him. What's Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Compassion. He just suffered it. He suffered with us and he suffered for us. And we didn't even ask for it. My friends, that's the total undeserved mercy we're talking about. It's it's right here. It's right there at that cross for us. And when you join your heart to Jesus' heart, when you take his prayer into your heart, then you can do the same. Father, forgive them. The cycle can stop with you. You can end it. And all of this, 
all of this, his cross, his sacrifice, his prayer, all of it becomes available to us once again in this Eucharist. As we take his body and we eat his body and we drink his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, incalculable mercy for our insurmountable debt. It's offered to us again. And think how many times we just kind of come in. Do we know what we have? Do we know what's being given to us? And then as that is given to us, as we have received so much mercy, we have so much mercy to give because it's the source isn't in us. It's not in my willpower. I know. That's why I give up my will to his will and let it flow through me. Whatever it is, friends, whatever you are so bitter and hurt and angry about, you can end it here today. Put it on that altar. Sacrifice it. Be done with it. And forgive. So I read the court testimony of one of the young women that Larry Nasser abused. It is unimaginable horror what this monster did. Sick. And in her testimony, she pleads with the judge to give justice for all of his victims. And as she does that, she, she details some of the grotesque violation of her body. And because of that, the violation of her very tender heart. And then, of course, those of countless other women and girls that he did this to. And then she does something amazing. This is Rachel Den Hollander's own words. You spoke of praying for forgiveness. But Larry, if you have read the Bible you carry, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you've done. You can't pay the debt. It comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you have done in all of its utter depravity and horror without mitigation, without excuse, without acting as if good deeds can erase what you have seen in this courtroom today. The Bible you carry says it's better for a stone to be thrown around your neck and you throw it into a lake than for you to make even one child stumble. And you have damaged hundreds. The Bible you speak carries a final judgment where all of God's wrath and his eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me. Though I extend that to you as well.